0: Welcome to The Danger Room, a Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast focused on helping you to prepare for the opponents you are yet to face. We discuss strategy, tips, tricks, and things you should be considering to level up your gameplay. You can continue the conversation with us on our free Discord, and if you've been enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon if you're in a position to do so. Links will be in the show notes. This is a competitive-focused podcast, so bear in mind that our opinions are focused through that lens. Regular members include Jacob, Sploosh, Mike, and Chewie. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Danger Room. I'm Jacob and I'm joined today by Mike. How are you doing,
1: Mike? Fabulous. How about yourself?
0: Yeah, not too bad. We've had a it's been Father's Day here, so had a pretty chilled out day, went to the pub, played some board games with the family. It
1: was nice. Yep. I'm not a father, so I have no responsibilities, and <laughs> Sploosh does, so that's why yeah, he's that's not, why
0: here. not here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so we wanted to start off the episode by talking about the Season eight of, 8 of the TTS League. Its sign-ups are still open, they're open until Wednesday the 22nd at like 12pm, whatever time it is for you in the world. Uh if you're considering giving it a go, if, you're, if you've if you done it before and you're wanting to come back or if you have never tried it, want to give it a go, it's a great time. Uh, even if you're not the most competitive, even if you haven't been playing for that long, I strongly, strongly recommend you sign up. What you're committing to is all just six games, one a week for the next six weeks. Uh, I even know people who have got holidays planned and they're like, man, I'm going to miss a game and I'll just take the loss, but I'm still going to get five good games and I'm still going to take part in the league. It's a great community event. And um, if you haven't tried it before, I I really strongly recommend it. If you're not sure how to do that, you need to sign up to the TTS Discord link in the show notes uh, and then register which uh, location you want to be with. You then go to uh, Tabletop Organizer, uh, which is... The system that they used to run it. You sign up for your relevant bracket. You fill in a Google form, which has your the list you're going to take, so you, your roster. And then uh, you copy and paste that into TTO. So there's a couple of steps there, but um, if you need to rewind and listen to those again and pause it and go through slowly, uh, then all the information there is there in the right order. Once you get on the Discord, if you have any problems, just give a shout, and there's a bunch of really friendly people there who will help you out.
1: Yeah, the League is... Uh... A wonderful place to get more games in, and even if you are not, I should say, newer to the game or whatever, uh, I've never seen anyone regret joining the league. Uh, it's a good time, and you you'll probably walk away with pretty uh, good excitement for the game. I think.
0: And if you're in the Europe bracket, then uh, you might be up against it. Oh, that's worth talking about. Yeah, the brackets. So there are five brackets, and these are sort of uh, timed on sort of evenings. So sort of 7 to 10 is the kind of time we're thinking. Weekday evenings is when a lot of the games happen. So there's, there's one on the West Coast of America. There's one for Central America. There's one on the East Coast of America. So you sign up for whichever one suits you best if you're over that side of the pond. There's one which is European timed. So that's uh, Britain and, and all the EU countries plus, I guess, Switzerland, sure. Let's throw yeah, them it's in. It's and... GMT, right, is the time zone? Uh, okay, I mean, good. it's pretty much CET. So if you're CET, then okay. it, it's it's fine as well. Uh, and then we've got one which is Oceana, which is anyone who's vaguely Australian time zone, or I think there's some guys in like, Singapore who play in that bracket as well. So if depending on which part of the world you're in, you join the right bracket and you'll be paired against somebody who's in roughly your right neck of the woods in terms of time so that, um, so that they've they're able to play. It works really well for people as well who are on um, like shift work because often they're available at times when people around them aren't and you can join a bracket, which is not your part of the world, but the times happen to line up for when you're available, which is a great, great little feature. Uh, I think I've seen that uh, Pastrami is paying, playing in Europe this uh, this this time around. So that'll be an interesting one. Hopefully I'll get a game against him.
1: Yeah, I think he exactly has uh, what you're talking about, where he gets off work and, and he's like the Euro time. Yeah. at times so
0: so uh what we want to talk about today is we've, uh, something that comes up a lot on in the game so we've talked a lot recently about building lists and different kind of lists and and how to build your list to counter particular things but we wanted to do a bit more of a general topic today looking at kind of under the broad topic of target priority so uh mike do you want to just explain what what is it we mean by target priority sure so
1: uh Forgive me if this is very broad or vague or nebulous or whatever. Uh, Target priority, I guess, like activation order is probably a better term, but it's like activating your models in the most optimal way so that you can get, you can optimize how much value you get out of your characters in that round. Um, Yeah. I think I kind of see,
0: yeah. Yeah, see activation order as the flip side of the coin for target priority. Target priority in my mind is who do I punch first or who do I punch now? Um, and activation order is who do I use to do the punching? So imagine you've got a situation maybe on a B shape where you've got two characters facing up against their two characters which of your two characters should activate first that's activation order and which of their two characters should be shot at or charged at first that's target priority that's kind of so they're, they're intrinsically linked and we're going to talk about um activation order a couple of times through this episode but uh in my head that's
1: the way around it goes okay so i guess it's just a little bit of a uh, what's the word like a division of or subdivision of what what I was expecting, I would probably yeah, sure. encompass all of that in activation order. But yeah,
0: yeah, I I, I just kind of think uh, activation order is, is what I'm what I'm doing with my team and target priority is about about who my targets are. But you're you're right, they're completely linked, so I can totally understand why you went there straight away. Um, so the, the idea of this is to try and give you an insight into what's going on in our heads when we are making those decisions, That who do I activate first and who am I targeting with attacks? Now, uh, it's, we're probably thinking more earlier in the turn. Typically, a turn breaks down that uh, early, in, early in the round, you're going to be trying to do some damage and trying to daze or KO people. And later in the round, you're typically going to be acting with your more controlly characters, trying to move people off points to score VPs. Uh, it doesn't always work out like that. That's for reasons we might get into, but as a as a broad shape of how the game goes, that 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 does that sounds pretty accurate to you, Mike.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, if you can move people off points or disable them late in the round to score the points, you can't get re- reacted to and uh, if you keep doing that you'll win the game generally
0: and for sure there's time when the Mm -hmm. right move is to push someone away so that they can't target you early in the round so don't take that as set in stone but as a broad guiding principle it's, it's probably more right more often than it's wrong
1: yeah yeah so there's an interesting maybe maybe i save it for later but go ahead jake no
0: Okay. No. Let's, okay. Well, we kind of we sat down, Mike and I, before this, and we brainstormed on like what makes what are the things that influence our target priority decision, and we're kind of trying to as we go through this, try and talk about some of the mistakes that, well, we make sometimes, but uh, that we see uh, people making against us as well. Uh, and I think the most important thing, and the thing which, unless you are an incredibly incredibly attrition focused team, in which case. Um, maybe you've got a slightly different take on this. But even for attrition-focused teams, where are the VPs? Who, where are the extracts? Who's holding an extract? Who's on a secure or who's likely to be threatening to be on a secure that maybe I can take instead of them if I can daze or KO that character? So I, I guess what we see happening, and the, let's go straight into some mistakes, is people forgetting about this and going, well, that guy's on one health. And like, yeah, they're on one health, but okay, so you can daze them, but they're not scoring me any VPs. And Maybe they're a threat, which we're going to get to later, but just people who go, well, I've been attacking that character and they're nearly dead, and now I'm going to make sure that they're gone. How is that actually helping them win the game? That's the question. And, and unless you're like, I'm going to table you, then how you win the game is through VPs. So really, really focusing on where the extracts are and where the secures are. Do you have a, a preference, Mike, uh, for which one you tend to look at more, extracts or secures? Uh,
1: no, it depends on what extract and secure I'm playing. Uh, sure. I mean, let's let's put researcher to one side and
0: imagine we're playing with extracts that are actually extracts and not secure in disguise. Um, uh, yep. So you've got... People holding things, maybe one thing, maybe lots of little things, but um, I, I tend to find that extracts I'm looking at first because if I daze them, I can get it. And then that makes sure I get the VP. Whereas secures, it's maybe they bring in other characters. It, it kind of flips the agency. They have to take it off me by dazing or KOing me or having Cat or Voodoo or someone silly like that come and turn up. Um, whereas secures, it's really easy to move people off secures.
1: Generally, yeah. I- um, but I mean, most of the time you can't just run away with extracts, uh, unless like the scoring has already gone too far. Uh...
0: Yeah, and you can you can sometimes you can sometimes run away to points that are like on a different skewer. So imagine you're playing a D shape, and you can pick up an extract on one corner of the diamond, and then run to a different corner of the diamond, so that you're still relevant for, for the secure game, but you've become safe from where the action's at.
1: Yeah, I see this a lot on scoundrels. When I yeah. play this, uh, there's five points that you can just run to. Yeah, and you get
0: cover when you get there as well, which is which is nice. Exactly. I guess early in uh, yeah, I guess early in the round uh, I'm looking more at extracts, and maybe later in the round when I'm. Maybe I've probably been really successful and dazed that that guy and got that extract. Maybe now I'm starting to turn my thoughts to VP. This tends to be the thought process I go through. Now, again, we're, there's a, a million and one different situations where that's completely not what I'll do. And probably people are going to go and watch a game I played and say, that's not what you did in this game or this game or this game. But what we're trying to do is give guiding principles to people so that when they're going through this process of who is my target, who, who should I be attacking, they can go, right, well, here's kind of a checklist. And I think the number one for me is um, about VPs, because that's how you win the game, with the side case of, of just killing everyone, in which case, again, target and priority is important. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about that a bit later. Um, but another one that I see... Well, Mike, do you want to take this one and talk about the second one we got on our list?
1: Yeah, so you're referring to who has power. Yeah. So, yeah, if you have a character that has a ton of power, whether... You, it's from you killing him or uh they they killed you i guess <laughs> with their builder yeah. or something like that um it's and if you have priority it and it's probably smart to address this character in some way unless they like can't do anything with it uh, this is why black order does so well because they well and I, I won't say black order does well all the time but they're good at removing a character before that character can use their power from dying to fight back. And uh, if you're an attrition-based team or if you have prio in any way, you should look at what, how much power is on your opponent's characters and what they can do with it. And generally, the more power, the more of a threat they are. Obviously, there are characters that don't spend power very well. Like, uh, I don't know, super giant. I know she's a hot topic, but I don't feel like she spends power that that great.
0: Yeah, Hawkeye's Hawkeye's a good example. He can, like.
1: Yeah, Hawkeye's another one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he can be on 10 power and he literally can't do anything with it except ignore a cover or pay for tactics yeah. well, cards.
0: He can, like, hook arrow away, which is a range three place. Place is not nothing, yeah. but he's not, you know, you're not skilled in range three place.
1: Yeah, it doesn't convert into damage like somebody like Gambit does, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Or like Valkyrie. So, yeah, exactly. So when you have, like, these supercharged characters that can convert really easily, they usually, if you have an opportunity to daze them or KO them, uh, and it seems like you have pretty good odds, then it's probably a good thing to do.
0: I guess we're talking specifically before they activate, because if a character's activated and ended on a bunch of power, then I'm not fussed. I'll think across I'll that bridge when we get round to next round and or maybe they've got some way of getting the activated token off them. There's a few affiliations that can do that now um but probably if they've activated i'm I'm less worried about them. I'm more thinking about how can I push that character rather than how can I punch that character
1: yeah yeah generally that's the that's the play.
0: Um, what we're really kind of looking at here is how can we, this game is really well set up in having this comeback mechanic of when you get punched, you get power. So when you talked about um, like a character that's been, been punched down and has got a bunch of power for doing that, that character is supposed to come back and have like a big turn where they're like, yeah, I'm going to do all this stuff with all this power I've got. That's the, the the core idea of the game. And what we're trying to say is, well, let's try and make sure we can, well, not make sure, but let's try and arrange it so that that doesn't happen as much. So that we can get, uh, sort of break that, that rubber banding mechanic. Okay, well, I've, I've hit you, I've took you down, and now I'm going to hit you again before you get to activate. It's not always possible because of priority, which we'll, we'll get to. But... Generally, when I'm surveying and thinking about who am I going to attack first, if somebody's, you know, Captain Marvel sitting there on eight power, I'm like, oh, okay, I've got to do something about that, or else that's going to hurt a lot. And so I'll be looking for which character is going to be best for me to activate with in order to try and maybe maybe push her out of the way. Maybe that's part of it, or maybe trying to to KO her before she's able to unleash unholy hell.
1: Yeah. So I. talk about this a little bit i I have situations where i won't have prio my opponent will come in let's say we have the same amount of characters my opponent will come in with priority daze one of my unactivated characters and then i will purposefully not try to daze any of their unactivated characters because now i'm gaining priority and then you just focus fire the character that has activated already and then daze them you could attempt to KO them with priority on the second round without any kind uh, clap back
0: well that's leading on to our next topic there's one final thing i want to say about this one which is just to think about it in terms of an economics perspective if you're attacking someone who's on a bunch of power then let's say they're on eight power they can only gain two more power so if you do four damage to them they only get two power off that four damage because they've reached their cap whereas if someone's sitting there on two power and you do four damage to them, they're probably not dead. And now they've got six power and they're gonna have a much more effective turn doing that. So again, that doubles down on the attack the people who've already got a lot of power kind of vibe. Now, once again, caveat here, not saying always attack the person with the most power. There's gonna, you're gonna have to factor more than that into it, but just what we're trying to do here is give you a checklist of things to go through. So who's got VPs, who's got a bunch of power. But Mike, you started talking about priority there. So, so why is that so important?
1: Yeah, maybe I got a bit of ahead of our discussion, but yeah, so priority, oftentimes, man, okay, so I guess managing priority is like a huge thing in this game, and a lot of people don't consider um, pretty much every activate. as I've grown as a player, every activation, I'm always like, okay, who's getting cryo? And then if it's me, that means if I daze an unactivated character, am I still getting cryo? do i want prio there are sometimes where like you maybe you don't want Pryo cuz if you you can if you want like say for example you're on gamma wave or researcher and yeah you can just daze enough characters to where you're not going to have prio and not having prio in those scenarios is hugely advantageous cuz it's about just moving people off of the objectives
0: i mean just again, quick caveat to that yeah quick caveat to that is if you have the control effect some teams i mean i'm thinking maybe guardians here guardians is often lacking in control so guardians on those scenarios have to focus on killing so just be aware of the tools at your disposal don't take that as a, as a golden rule
1: yeah and i hate to keep talking about black order but back in the day when i was playing black order they're i guess they're just so uh they're so textbook <laughs> in the way that they do their thing that uh yep. You, you'll go about in like KO characters, and then at some point, you are okay with giving them priority because they don't have enough models to counteract <laughs> you. And then you can go last with Thanos to score a bunch of points.
0: Yeah, I mean, Black Order are worth talking about simply because they've got priority manipulation baked in with the husband and wife. And there's, there's a couple of other places that have that.
1: Yeah, I guess what I'm referring to is like everyone knows that Black Order is going to have prio if they want it, but I'm saying there are times where you want to give your opponent prio so that you can score a bunch of points. Yeah, I hear Thanos is really good at that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, um but yeah, there are also games where my opponents will daze some of my characters and then they won't realize that they have given me priority and mm. that can be a huge issue. Um because then, I'm I, as the person gaining priority. I start thinking about what characters I can KO next round without having them fight me back.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I, I guess the general shape of this tends to be: if I've got priority, I want to attack activated characters, so I'm not removing activations from my opponent, so they don't get priority. Whereas, if I'm the um, if I'm the non priority player, then I want to attack characters that haven't activated because i'm trying to take away their action and the output that they're going to get or the control that they're going to um, purvey on the board and there's no downside because i already don't have priority now that is a dynamic thing you've got to be constantly checking okay well now this activation okay he just stays this character over here so uh, okay now i now i don't want now i now i've got priority that thing you were talking about so you need to be constantly reevaluating this. But as a general rule of thumb, prio attack activated characters, non-prio attack non-activated characters. So that's kind of focusing a little bit more on, yeah, that's definitely the target priority. Is it's who are you going to be attacking? And it may be that you switch targets, which um, is, is, again, we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, and sometimes that's a good idea, and sometimes that's a really terrible idea. So again, all of these take them with a pinch of salt. But the, another thing we we're thinking about when we're choosing who we're activating and who we're activating them into is about priority. Um, and that could be really, that could be a really tricky thing. And you have to kind of fall foul of that a few times before you really get your head around how that works, especially if you're a newer player.
1: Yeah. Usually, uh, if you have like, if you and your opponent have the same amount of activations to be used and you are going now that means you're going to have priority (laughs) is generally how it works. Yeah. Outside of weird like husband and wife follow me
0: situations. Next, next up on our list we've got is matchups. So what we're thinking about here is, okay, I've I've already thought about my VPs. I've thought about power. I've thought about my priority. I've kind of like, okay, I've got two options I could still go with. Now we might, might be thinking this is, okay, well, who is it that has got a good matchup? So what what do we mean by a good matchup? Mike, what are we talking about here?
1: Sure so uh, I guess we were talking about Hawkeye earlier so Hawkeye has two energy and two mystic defense versus four physical so lining somebody up like a hood uh, or a space ma or something into this character is just gonna decimate him or or the usual like you just like pick on like weak defenses or yeah whereas uh, someone like, like ignoring Mystique. defensive tech through mystic attacks. Yeah. yeah, Shapeshifter, like Mystique into Loki is like really good.
0: I was just going to say, Mystique into Hawkeye with a four dice rapid fire. That, that's kind of a not a great matchup because they've got four dice defense. Yeah, there are spikes and you're rolling a bunch of dice and that's not bad. But generally you're like, mm, okay, there's a decent chance I just do nothing here. I think it's sort of like somewhere in the region of 50% to just do nothing. So half your shots are just going to, yeah, no bueno.
1: Yeah, exactly
0: um so being aware of what your your bad matchups are as well so how would that impact into who you're choosing to activate yes
1: yeah, so i guess it depends on how threatening that character let's say let's say my opponent has a character that is good into one of my characters let's, and then... let's
0: give us let's give a specific example here let's say um i don't know you've got uh space more into black panther that seems like a pretty good matchup for space more
1: <laughs> yes uh well, okay, so I just played a game into Convocation yesterday, actually, and uh-huh. my opponent had Sorcerer, Supreme, Strange, Voodoo, Space, Small, Magic, and I had Miles, Gwen, Cat, Moon, Knight, Black Panther, and Toad, mm-hmm. and I had Black Panther on one flank. He ran Doctor Strange over there, daze my Black Panther in round two, and I'm six wide, so I don't have priority even <laughs> with the days. Oof, Um yeah. So as soon as Black Panther dazes there, I start thinking about how can I remove an activation from him in response, because I'm still not getting priority, and he has such a low model count that if he loses activations, he's crippled completely. So I ended up all webbed up and throwing dice into like magic or something, and uh, ended up dazing <laughs> her. But
0: yeah, she she can be on the squishier side
1: yeah so but that's the thing is when you play like a wide list like that, your biggest strength is being able to threaten a daze on the other side of the table or somewhere else, so you have like multiple threats and your opponent can't address all of them that's that's really what you're looking for I and mean, a general thing
0: you want with matchups is isn't it you're looking at your damage types and their defense dice and maybe any tech they've got remembering weird stuff like ultron having really good defense against mystic uh, because robots apparently they're immune to magic yep <laughs> turns out turns out um uh being aware of of what defense types they've got and and having a look at that Uh, um, and for some affiliations that's much more relevant than others where you've got much more of a spread brotherhood tends to be a very physical heavy affiliation and this doesn't come in as much on that maybe you're looking at it the other way around you're looking at what are my bad matchups is the other thing to consider so okay I don't have brotherhood may not have any great matchups because I've got a whole bunch of physical into well a whole lot of people who knew they were playing against brotherhood they probably didn't take anyone with really weak physical there's probably not an ancient one on the other side um without like a, an ironbound books backing her up. But then you can look the other way around. Who does my opponent, where are their good matchups into my characters? Okay, well, now all of the things being equal, that's going to be who I'm going to prioritize my target because that's going to try and keep my character safer. It's going to make my team more durable and it's going to make their output lower. Um, so again, looking at that flipped around the other way, to see what do I not want to have activated into me is another part of this thought process, right? Yeah, I
1: don't know how much more I have to add on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, again, we're just kind of going through some of the things that go through in our in our mind. Okay, the next one we've got down on our list to talk about is activation order, which we've kind of already touched on. So, have you got any rules of thumb you use when you're thinking about who to activate first?
1: Uh, crap, I feel like I feel like I do, and I do it. In- instinctually and mm. it's going to be hard for me to articulate it right what we're trying to do here is kind of tease out our thought process and try and to
0: really nail it down as to what we're doing so that's what um our listeners can really try and benefit from
1: yeah so i i like for so for example like a character like black panther he if he's on a lot of power he could daze a character if he's in like striking distance He could you know pop mantle double attack attack spender pounce something like that and you're pretty good chance to kill most things in the game um but oftentimes if he's just like sitting out in space by himself and maybe your opponent doesn't have mystic attacks you can just kind of let him sit there and he's probably going to be fine and then he can bully them after they've activated so he's a character that's like dynamic in that way
0: well, that kind of really ties back into what we were saying. And I hadn't thought about it this way until you just said that, but a lot of activation order is just applying these same things we talked about just to your side. So going who's, who's got my VPs and needs to run away. Who's you know, who's got extracts and needs to move because before they get punched in the face and the extract taken away. So where are the VPs who's got a lot of power that I want to use? Um, because otherwise they might get dazed and then that power is wasted or they might get killed and taken off the board and then it's the completely gone. Um, Who have I got? Is there any priority things that I've got to factor in? Do I want to make sure I get off a husband and wife or a uh, sin and crossbones type activation uh, in order to make sure I'm going to get priority or in order to to force them to to activate their things in a certain way? Uh, and again, about that uh, matchups. Who do I need to maybe move out from a bad matchup and reposition to a better matchup? So I guess just taking all of those things we've already mentioned and just turning them around on yourself and going right. Well, I can apply these same basic principles, and that will help inform me who I should be activating first. Which I think your example did really well because you're like, if he's got a bunch of power, then that makes them this. But if he's like a miles away from the VP, he's not doing much, then he can just wait.
1: Yeah. So I I can use another game example i was playing a game today against a uh, shadow and daredevil list that had space maw and supergiant and he had killmonger as well and the on the previous round his daredevil had double attacked and dazed my miles and dropped my spider uh-huh. um gwen had re- he already had a spider on daredevil so gwen had retrieved it and stood on a different point and then at the top of the next round he decided to daze my gwen and I have two options here now. So I have a Miles on like a ton of power because he just died. So if he dazes Gwen, I can go with Miles and like Venom Blast Daredevil and take his Extract and leave. Or if he decides to KO Miles, I can go with Gwen and go score points somewhere else. So he decided to daze Gwen and I just go with the, with the opposite play that basically traded. Like I lost an Extract on Gwen, but I gained one on Miles. And basically what we traded was an activation But my activations are a lot less valuable than his because I have more models. So when you can create situations like that, like a lot of them over the course of the game, you just wear your opponent's ability to fight you or to score points down so much that they just can't keep up. Uh, I guess that
0: kind of ties into what we want to talk about next, which is knowing when to attack. And this was really born out of our discussion before the podcast about mistakes that we see sometimes ourselves making, but often our opponents making um what do you mean by knowing when to attack
1: uh yeah so like you if you have priority you kind of want to see what your opponent's most optimal how do i say this like what character do they want to activate the the most like sometimes i'll even like flip myself over to my opponent's point of view if i'm in tts i'll be like <laughs> what is okay if i was them what would i want to do right now um if it's not super obvious and usually you can address that and some way like maybe you stagger that character maybe you try to daze them maybe you just run away from them uh maybe you move them off a point if they don't have like great action economy you can that's like basically staggering them Uh, so those are the kind of things you want to be thinking about
0: Mm. and just generally i think every time you make an attack you want to be clear in your mind how does this attack help win me the game very often that's going to be, I'm going to make this attack and it's not going to daze them, but it's going to put some chip damage. And then I've got this other route is going to get this second attack in. Maybe it's the same character making two attacks. Maybe it's my next activation. It's already They've already activated, so they're going to still be there. And I'm going to make this other attack and that's going to daze them or KO them. And that's going to help me win the game. Or maybe they're going to drop an extract. Maybe they're not scoring a secure point. Those are things which will help you win the game. If you're just going, I don't know, I've got this character here and they've got an action and I don't know what to do with it, then... Probably making an attack is normally a mistake because you're giving your opponent power, which gives them agency, um, especially if that character hasn't activated yet this round or if you think they're a character who is likely to activate early in the next round, just going, oh, I'll do a bit of damage. If that doesn't build into part of a plan, like, okay, well, this is a character who uh, they're just a pain to take down, like maybe, maybe a Thanos, yeah? Attacks into Thanos, If your if your long-term plan is kill Thanos, then making an attack into Thanos might be useful. Typically, though, what you want is a big attack. Little piddly attacks into Thanos tend to not do very much because he's got decent defenses and he reduces everything, and sometimes he's sporting a reality gem, which helps too. So when you have an attack, having it really clear in your mind, right, this might not... If a character's on one health, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, there's not a lot to think about there. But if you've got like a character with no damage on them yet and you're making a, a five-dice builder attack, Well, are you saying, right, well, what I need is I need this to do one damage because then that one damage turns on this superpower, which is really good. And you're going, great, well, I've got like a 70% chance to do that. And I think that's a reasonable gamble for me to take. And I do that all the time. That's the thing I spend a lot of time doing. And sometimes you go, well, okay, and then that's quite a nice example. If you only need one power, because if you do no damage, then they haven't gained any power. And if you do one damage, which is the next worst result, then they um then you've got what you wanted so that's a great situation and there's pretty much no downside to doing that it's going i'm making this attack because then if i spike and i get three power then i can do this other thing that's probably a
1: mistake because you're probably not going to get that three power yeah that's usually desperation mode if you're thinking about that Uh, i had a a game earlier today like i was talking about and i had hood and my opponent had hood and his hood like walked up and shot my character. He wasn't on the point, but if I, I had an activation with hood next. So I moved to a point and then I was like, well, I have another activation. Do I just shoot his hood? It's like the only character there. Problem is if I shoot that, if I shoot his hood, he transforms onto my, onto the point with my other character. And then that that point ties instead of me just scoring it. So I was like, well, it feels pretty awkward, but I think I just don't attack anybody and I just move and mm-hmm. I'm done. And uh, that was definitely the right call.
0: Yeah. That brings us on to focus firing. So this is uh, again, similar ties in with that last topic of knowing when to attack. So again,
1: I've asked you this a lot, this, 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 podcast, but what do you mean by focus firing? What's that all about? So spreading out your attacks is not very valuable. Um, just damaging your opponent without removing activations or getting VPs off of them is <laughs> pretty terrible. Uh, you're just powering them up for nothing. Uh, so focus firing is obviously you just have a bun- bunch of your characters attack one of their characters to, I don't know, maybe you daze the character in, in an attempt to KO them later, or you need to get an extract off of them, or uh, they're going to activate with a ton of power and do damage to you or whatever reason. Um, but focus firing means you're, you're attacking things with purpose and you can brute force the dice randomness as best you can.
0: Mm. Yeah, kind of what we mentioned. This, this really does tie in because having uh, put a little bit of damage into that character, a little bit of damage into that character, that same amount of damage applied to one character would daze or KO them and impact the game a lot more than just, okay, well, okay, they're half dead and now they've got a bunch of power to do stuff to me. Now, there are times when you kind of need to do this. Uh, Like I talked about with with Thanos, maybe your game plan is, right, well, the characters that can make attacks into Thanos are going to make attacks because the way I'm dealing with Thanos is I'm going to daze him as quickly as I can. And he's gonna be moving my characters around, so I'm not gonna get to make all the attacks I want to make because of his positioning shenanigans. So I'm going to take my opportunities where I can, and that means I am going to be spreading damage around. So again, it can be the right call in certain situations, but as a general rule of thumb, pick a character, again, target priority, pick a character and do as much damage to them until they fall over. And then probably, again, depending, like Criminal Syndicate, they're now injured, they're a lot less good.
1: Um, But a lot of the time you're going to want to then take that character out of the game. Yes, exactly. Yeah, attacking without purpose is just because you can is often just a not not a good idea. Yeah, it's nearly always a mistake.
0: Uh, sometimes you get a lucky spike that are like, man, that was lucky. Um, but most of the time you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And I think we're all guilty of doing that sometimes.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can just think about how often you leave a character on one <laughs> and then <Yeah. laughs> your, your entire board state collapses because of it. Uh, that's that's kind of what, what happens when you do that. That's why
0: Bullseye is amazing.
1: It's going to move yeah, and do a range four guaranteed Thanos. one. Yeah, turns out or juggernaut for that matter.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean juggernaut at least has to have power. Sometimes juggernaut, quite a lot of the time juggernaut ends he on does. power. Yeah. Um, I, I guess one thing we should mention, which haven't actually just occurred to me, it wasn't on our list, but is threat. So sometimes you're lining up and you're just looking across the board and you're going right. If I was going to remove one model from my opponent's list which model is it that I'm going to want to remove? And that's kind of, we're starting to get into Black Order territory now, or those very tall lists who go, right, I'm just I'm just gonna murder someone and I'm gonna make it as good a character as I can. Uh, often it's gonna be, depending on board state, who can I actually reach to do that? But sometimes you get a choice. And when you get a choice, typically, I don't know if you're the same, Mike, there are certain characters that I really wanna deal with, like an Iron Fist or a Gwen, maybe they're pretty good to get rid of early. But there are only three threats. Whereas if you give me the option of killing a four or a five threat, often I'll go for that.
1: Yeah, if your opponent like feeds you venom, and it's like very easy for you to get rid of him, that's usually a good idea. <laughs> Even yes. though people are like afraid of you know the clapback and stuff like that, but you know, if you yeah. hit him hard enough, it doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah, and I got to say I haven't had the best of luck with my we are venoms. They just they just haven't. Haven't done it for me. Uh, in fact, so much so that uh, years ago it prompted me to write an article going, "Well, it's probably not as much healing as you'd expect with Venom, unless you pump them up with all kind of hammers and death decrees and stuff like that. Then it can be pretty, pretty reliable. But generally, like if you get two, then that's that's
1: you know pretty average." Yeah, unfortunately, Venom can't play Doom Prophecy anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I
0: nobody is sad about that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, just one one other thing. I guess this is kind of a, a turn zero or a turn one. Like, who who would I like to kill? The game doesn't often go that way, because your opponent will be trying to protect those characters because they're going to be more impactful because they're higher threat characters, and so they're not going to want to give them to you. Um, but that's that's one uh, another another thing to factor in is just kind of like okay, all other things equal, who do I want to kill?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's I mean that's like the game plan for any attrition based roster, right? And when you're playing a, if you're like a wide roster, like I said, you kind of, you really want to remove activations from your opponent because you're not going to have anyway. And uh, anything you can do to like make it hard for your opponent to kill you, kill you is good.
0: And we got one more thing on my list. Uh, what we wrote together. Uh, and that is the Trap of Revenge. And this is something I'm sure I've spoken about this before on the pod, but just in case you haven't heard that. This is those situations, and I see this a lot, particularly when people are learning the game. I'm not sure this is a mistake that uh, very experienced players make. But even then, sometimes I still see it happening. And that is this idea that, okay, we've got two characters lined up against each other on maybe a side point on a D scenario or on a back Point on a on an E or whatever, and so they're having their little duel against each other. And I've gone with my character because I've done my assessment and I think actually the best thing to do is to try and try and get this character. yeah let's sort them out. Um, and I, I, for whatever reason, I don't quite make it. I, I leave you there on some health, or you know, if it's just one health, maybe this doesn't apply as much. But if it's like two or three health and you've got some decent defense or you're out of harm's way and you're just kind of off on a side then what sometimes I see people doing is going, ha I'm going to get you back now. Now you've given me all this power and I'm really into this little duel we're having. And they kind of get a little bit carried away with the story elements of it, which is brilliant. But um, that, that fight back, that can happen later. We can go and cut to some action somewhere else. If they're by themselves, if there's no one around them to, to influence your character, then you're going to get that activation later anyway. And if by going there, you're like, okay, great, my character gets to act first over on another side of the board before your character. It's kind of that thing where a a skewer setup, you tend to like, it's uh, thought to be better for people who don't have priority than most of them are. Because if your opponent activates first on the left-hand side, then you're going to get to activate first on the right-hand side. If you want to. So you kind of have priority on that side of the board. Like, of course, having priority, they get to pick which side if they're going to start their activations. But you still have that kind of, okay, well, you, you can go first over there, but I'm going to go first over here. And it's that idea and taking that idea and not falling into the trap of going, right, when you punch me, I'm going to punch you straight back, which feels great, especially when you take me down. <laughs> but then they're going, right, well, now this fight over here, I get to punch you before you punch me. Oh, no, oh, look, I took you out. Where if you'd have done your character, maybe you'd have pushed me away or staggered me or um, shocked me or whatever it is that stops me from taking you out. And you still get your activation over here in this little fight that we started because there's no one else around it. So, that's again, it's something I see players doing sometimes. They get, I can get the bloodlust. Uh, the red mist descends, and uh, that means they're giving away opportunity to their opponent to um, to capitalize in another area of the board.
1: Yeah, i uh, I don't see this a whole lot coming from people, but it definitely. I, I feel like a lot of combat situations in this game are like a. It's like a like a st- what what is it in Magic Stack where oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like someone initiates with something and then the opponent plays something on the stack and then you just keep resolving, you keep adding things to the stack until it resolves. And uh, I guess maybe maybe it's not a stack, but it's more of a queue in Marvel where you know, mm. the first in is the first out.
0: Yeah. Unless you've got Hawkeye shooting Hawkeye and then you genuinely have a magic stack.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, then it, it's theoretically infinite, right? Uh, no, because it's capped by power. Yeah, it's cap-, cap by power, yes. Yeah, So. But yeah, so it's it's like okay, if this character goes, then this it, it creates like this whole decision chain that can becomes more obvious the more you play. I think, um, and maybe that's less of a thing on like a split scenario, like a D or Mayor Fisk or something. But when you have multiple characters within proximity of each other that can interact with each other, that's generally what happens. It's rare that you're going to be able to remove like multiple characters at the same time
0: i guess one final thing just to wrap us up is to think about uh, is this different on turn one when you've got a whole bunch of extracts out there and maybe you've got pay to interact secures does that change your thinking about who you activate first and where they're going and who they might be lining up against
1: yeah i definitely am wanting to think about what the extract uh situation is going to be on round one because there's a lot less variables on round one, right? Like, a lot of characters are just, like, double moving somewhere, grabbing mm. something. And if you can... Obviously, it depends on who's going to have priority on round two. Uh, so maybe they can kill one of your characters or something. But uh, if you can get, like, an easy extract lead on round one, it's pretty valuable. And knowing, like, who's going to hold them. So, like, you can have a character like a Voodoo or a Black Cat can go, ad- go address... Like a, a weakly defended part of the table. Mm, where well they're not yeah, where well they're not in as much danger of being killed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something I also like to do is like if my opponent's like brotherhood or something where brotherhood has a lot of midline pressure, it's really hard to get an advantage on them with extracts in the midline unless you have like an Angela or something. With priority because they have deception and Juggernaut just rushes you or throws you long into the back line or Asteroid M or whatever, and then they have Toad on top of it. So, hmm. I found that if you can just run a character into like, well, I, I, lately I found Daredevil to be amazing into this because the Grunts don't let him get deceptioned. Wait, and, just to be clear, sh- sh- Shadowland Daredevil. Yeah, Shadowland right, and Daredevil. Not, yeah, not yeah. Game. I'm not talking about original Daredevil. He's he's maligned, but. Uh, Yeah, lately, I'll just run Daredevil up up to the middle, park the Grunts behind him. And if you position the Grunts just right, he can't be deceptioned and Juggernaut can't move charge to get in distance to punch the Grunts. So their best play is like throw Daredevil with long throw on Juggernaut, which you potentially are fine with too. Um, But also Toad usually likes to go to the midline and you can just drop somebody Within shooting distance of Toad, so that if they activate into your character, you can just kill Toad at the top of the next round and trade them. Um, mm. I find this to be pretty valuable. I don't know how super relevant this is to the discussion, but it is a good play line I found.
0: Okay, no, that's that's, that's good. We
1: like that. Uh, have you got any final thoughts about target priority? Uh, I don't think so. I feel like it's still this discussion was still like really vague, and I don't know. I don't know how how people are going to receive it, but. I'd be interested, if if any, people who listen to this, I'd be interested, give us some feedback on this and see if, if we hit the mark or not, or if there's things that we didn't think of. I'd be really interested to hear that. Mm. And just
0: generally, was this the sort of discussion? We've had some feedback that we were looking for more tabletop relevant content rather than like turn zero or list building or roster construction or like um, meta picks more specific how can i play better in the middle of a game and that's what this episode was designed to try and accomplish uh let us know if you managed it let us know if uh, this was something that you liked um and want more of this um like we talked about kind of in the middle of the episode it's, it can be difficult. A lot of this is learnt experience and it's been internalised and we just kind of make decisions without always knowing exactly why and being able to take a step back and try and rationalise and lay out the decision process and what are the factors that have been considered can be it can be a very difficult thing to tease those those apart and, and lay it bare. But I think we've covered sort of the major points. Um, one thing to take away is, you're only ever going to achieve this through experience you've just got to play some more games um and try some try having a little checklist maybe of your target priority to start with and the more you use it the more you'll internalize it and um hopefully avoid making some of the mistakes that we some we sometimes make or that we see across from us
1: yeah funnily enough uh for any uh listeners if they've listened to our episode with theo about about sword fighting uh he always talked about trying to create perfect fights which you know perfect fight is something that is basically fully advantageous for you and not advantageous at all for your opponent uh, so if you can keep devising those situations i think that's what we're all striving for in this game all right michael thanks for
0: taking the time to try and unpick your brain with me This has been fun
1: yeah i uh I, I don't really I really wish I, I had a I fe, we could feel more confident talking about things like this but it's so difficult in like a broad sense to be applicable to all affiliations and characters and play styles and whatever hmm.
0: but so well we're, but yeah try and try and try and some new stuff sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't let us know either way guys but either way thanks for joining us in the danger room Thanks for taking the time to listen to our thoughts on the game. As the game changes, the information in this episode may become less relevant, so bear that in mind if you're listening from the future. We also want to thank Discount Games Inc. and Blackgate Games. If you don't have a local game store and they can't get what you're looking for, check out those guys, they'll sort you out. Finally, a big thank you to Atomic Mass Games for making such an awesome game. We'll see you next time in the Danger Room.